0: If you have your scriptures turn to Acts 21 today, it's good to be in the house of the Lord, is it not? And uh, what does that mean? That's one of those colloquialisms pastors get up and say, and then you all have to obligatorily say, uh, right? Uh, What does that mean? It means that I love seeing your face. It's great to be together, to worship together, to engage together, to edify one another. If you leave today and you have not been edified, you call me this week and I have a list of 10 people I will scourge, because that's who we are at Concord Bible Church. No, we we really want to make every effort to exalt God first, amen? And that's why it's good to be gathered together. The Lord has watched over you this week. The Lord has been your God this week. And so now we gather to hear from the Word. So turn to Acts 21, if you will. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we will bring one to you. uh, Nice and tall, so it's not obscure. There we go, we got one right over here. Hanny, if we could grab a Bible from the foray for Shane. And uh, the rest of us, as you're turning there, I want you to think about birds. Birds. You know, the things that have feathers and wings. The other day I was outside my house and I could hear a fighter squadron approaching quickly. And last night, the reason this came to me is last night, uh, probably late in the evening, and then again early this morning, the way my window is positioned, I can actually hear the geese all the way over in Newhall Park. If they're really boisterous, if they're really goosey, I can hear them and it reminded me of a week ago I walked outside my house and I could hear them coming right have you ever been in that position where it's been Memorial Day weekend or Labor Day weekend you can hear some of those planes that don't sound real familiar you know flying over and so you're like wait a minute it's one of those I want to look I want to find it you know that's kind of what happened to me when I walked out of my house I'm like whoa wait a minute those things sound really close watch where you're stepping right make sure you're not out in the open and they were in a low under the radar formation like they were in like power line problem area and uh, they just came in and just swooped right through and and perfect v and they're all following this one goose have you ever wondered about that one goose what's so great about him that all these other guys want to follow him or gals want to follow him he's got the map well done So I I wish I could understand, because today's today's message is power struggle. I wish I could understand how that works with those other birds. I think they're called starlings. Have you ever watched them? Where they're all flying, like hundreds of them, flying as a cloud. And you're like, oh, 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 who are they following? Which one are they following? Right when you think you've got it figured out, one just went ping and just shoots off to the side. And like a whole group. Start following that one. You're like now. What made them follow that guy? Right, and then you're watching just and then some will have regrets and they're like no No, this guy's going the wrong way and they'll come back around circle back to the rest of the group. It's just fascinating very different picture Than those geese You know, there's a power struggle with those starlings Isn't there it's, it's almost chaotic when there's a power struggle When there's no power struggle, when you know who you're following and you trust who you're following, there's just this beautiful V. And it's almost so beautiful that they just sing to one another. This very irritating, honky song. Right? And that's a warning. Get underneath a tree. Get underneath a tree. Well, this morning, we're not necessarily looking at birds. We'll come back and visit that idea towards the end of the message. But as we're in... In Acts 21, we get to this area that's a very much a story. When I was looking at this today, uh, or I'm sorry, this week, it's almost like I'm telling you a bedtime story. So hopefully you've had your warm milk, you're in your onesies, but nobody's fallen asleep. If I find you falling asleep, we're, we're going we're gonna to do jumping jacks. All right? Uh, so it, it is almost like a bedtime story here because it is so narrative-driven. Paul is done with his missionary journeys. He's come back to Jerusalem. And this is fascinating. He comes back to the very people that sent him out a decade ago. Have you ever had to come back from a sales trip and answer to your boss? Have you ever had to come back from a game and and answer to the coach? That's where we start today. Paul comes back to Jerusalem and it's been a long time and you're going to hear about some individuals that are part of the Jerusalem church and you're going to watch what happens because Paul brings a big problem and it's, it's chasing him. And there's a power struggle. And today as we look at this, I, I really want to challenge each of us. You've got to absorb what is here for the sake of what is here. Amen? Amen? Look at what goes on with our brothers and sisters in Christ. See how God leads in the midst of the situation. But in the application of the breakdown of what we do here, what I want you to see is how do you relate to this? How do you deal with the power struggles that are in your own life? Whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whether it's uh, in marriage, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your pastor. What? I'm no. Get that one out of there. Right? Think through those things as we dive in. That's why God has recorded this, is so that we can learn and see the pattern and example of how to do these things in a godly way so we have no power struggle. Let's ask the Lord to reveal the Scripture to us this morning, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Father, we come before you asking that your Spirit would be very clear. To each individual reaching beyond what i can communicate but being very clear out of this story what we can know about you and how we can live life in a victorious pattern of your power and the benefits of that thank you father to you be all glory amen so our first key point today is leadership it's leadership the struggle of being in power Right, and so some of you today, when you hear that first point, you're like, "Oh yeah, I, I can tell you about some really bad leadership." Can can we just have a forum about really bad? Oh, I can tell you about some great leaders. I like. I really enjoy the. Maybe that's one of our perspectives. Maybe another perspective is, "How are you as a leader?" How are you as a leader? There's there's a double sword here. There's. A dualistic way of looking at all things today so look at it from the perspective of how do you deal with the power struggles with whom you have to follow but also how do you deal with the power struggles of those whom you have been asked to lead all right so leadership the struggle of being in power let's look at verses 17 through 26 let's pick up the narrative and hopefully you guys are all there. Your pastor was some, for some reason in Mark. And now he's on the mark and ready to go. Verse 17-26. through 26. And the scripture says this. When we had come to Jerusalem, who would be the we? Yeah, I heard somebody whisper it under their breath like they didn't want to get marked off wrong. Right? Yes, Luke. Luke would include himself. So it's a whole group of individuals traveling with Paul. But one definitely being Luke. So Paul, Luke, and others that were part of his group have now arrived in Jerusalem. The brothers received us gladly. Who would be those brothers? Well, let's keep reading. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. We go back to middle of Acts 13, 14, 15, where we see the establishment of Paul's team that got sent out on these missionary journeys. They were commissioned initially... By these elders. And James was there. Now they've come home. This is fascinating. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through His ministry. And when they had heard it, they what? They glorified God. They glorified God. And they said to Him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed. They are all zealous for the law, and they have been told about you, and you teach all the Jews who were among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you we have four men who are under a vow take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you but that you yourself also live in observance of the law But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled. And the offering presented for each one of them. Now, this gets a little confusing. You can get into some of Paul's writings out of uh, his letter to Rome. You can get into it with his letter to the Galatians. You can get into it with the letter to the Corinthians. Because what happens here, in essence, under this leadership, the struggle of being in power, is he comes back to those who sent him out. And the Lord established his work. And what is the very first response of that leadership? Paul, you idiot. Uh, Paul, you didn't hit your numbers. Uh, Paul, um, you shaved your head. Um, Paul, you need a bath. Paul, it says they glorified God. Brothers and sisters, we support many missions here. I'm trying to figure out how to get lights up here to represent what's happening with our missions because that's part of Concord Bible Church so you may see some weird conflagration but i don't have enough lights our power bill the meter's going to spin like a windmill if we put up lights for all those around the world who are coming to faith but we have to represent it somehow right because that's part of what we do we have sent people out just like paul sometimes when you do that in missions it creates problems because sometimes those individuals do things that maybe necessarily you as a leadership group wouldn't have done. I don't know how many of you remember, but this group going back to after the first mission, they come back and they hear what's happening and you have the council of Jerusalem in Acts 15. And that council has to weigh in on the things that Paul is doing on a revolutionary level reaching to the Gentiles. This is breaking all the laws. And so you hear kind of a reiteration of this. That what James and the elders of Jerusalem are saying is, look, we want you to practice these things for the sake of of sanctification, of purity, to kind of set yourself apart uh, from those worldly practices. We want you to observe in those things. Did you notice that people are shaving their heads again? You know, in the past three chapters, we got a lot of haircuts happening. And some of that is symbolic of vows and, and things that are going on on that level but there's a power struggle here with the leadership and so the leadership says glory to god what you've done but what you've done has brought a huge problem to us Have you ever been in that situation like maybe you did so well at work right the the, the management the leadership is kind of mad at you i'll never forget a, a, a scene from one of the Greatest Academy Award-winning performances by Tom Hanks in Joe versus the Volcano one of the classics of our time and and that other great epic actor John Lovett um, Pete you know reaches over his cubicle wall and he's like whispering at Tom Hanks Hey, what are you trying to do here? Because the guy's hitting it out of the park. He's just meeting numbers and, and making things happen And love is like, slow it down, man. You're making us all look bad. This is a little bit of what the Jerusalem leadership is experiencing. Paul, you brought all those problems here. Paul, I don't know if you noticed, but this is a city of Jews. And not only did you bring those problems here, but now we've got the challenge that they want your blood. And you're with us. Is your leadership going to back you? Is there a power struggle? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but they gave Paul very specific instructions on what to do. Paul could have said, no. You're asking me to go backwards here. In essence, they are not asking him to deny Christ. They are not asking him to uh, apostatize. They are not asking him to sin. They're simply asking him to demonstrate his Jewishness which he still was Jewish. And so they bring up the problems. They have this power struggle that's happening. And I want to give you three points of what to do with leadership. The struggle of being in power. Teamwork is a godly pattern. The idea is this, is Paul was sent out by these folks and he realizes that he recognizes their authority. He may not agree necessarily with with what they're asking to do, but he does it. And he follows through with it. Not only that, the team wants to work with Paul. They don't reject him. They said, we have a plan. And so secondly, you see that they rejoice over the successes. Do we do this as leaders? Men, when you see things that have happened around the house, when it is your child's birthday, do you ever turn to your wife and say, good job? And I, I won't take that any further than that, but y- you understand what I mean. Women, when, when, when the guy gets up and goes to work when he doesn't want to go to work, when he wants to be lazy and he wants to play video games or just watch football on TV or do what so many other guys are doing, but no, he's responsible. He goes out and he, and he, he conquers. the. Janine says every time I... Well, used to. doesn't happen so much anymore, but I would walk out of the house and, and from the... From the from the hallways of Valhalla, I would hear, have fun storming the castle, right? And I'm, oh, I'm inspired now. I'm going to go out and do something. There is something that resonates with praise, isn't there? Leadership. You don't want to have a power struggle? Then start with praising someone. Talk about the greatness of what they've done and especially what God has done through them. Brothers and sisters in the church, this is an area that we can get much better at. Do you see how God works in some people around you in this church? Then say it, because their eyes and their heart will light up. It will light up. Just, this isn't part of my, part of my notes. I'm trying to stay on task. I've been doing really well so far. But we're 20 minutes in. And now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go squirrel on you. Alright? So just as a point of reference about that, giving this praise, there were so many individuals that helped out with prepping for our VBS that you would never know about. And God did a great work that week, and we never could have done it without that volunteer task force. There were so many of those same individuals that helped out a week ago at age 65 at age 70 with helping move the school just tremendous just tremendous just a a praise to what God is doing rejoice over the successes we see this out of this leadership group the other thing is plan for the problems you don't want to have a power struggle as a leader plan for the problems how did this group do that well they knew what was coming with Paul (laughs) And they knew that there was going to be blood. And so they came up with a plan and their, their best made plan, it was horrible. It was horrible, right? They should have just stuck it out. Maybe it saved them. I don't know. I don't know who it benefited, but it definitely didn't benefit Paul. And you'll see that next week. The challenge here is they're trying to make peace where there's no peace available. But they're trying at least. And Paul Practices teamwork with them. Do you think he knows it's going to be at his expense? Of course he does. He already knows it's going to be at his expense. But he wants to support his leaders. He wants to get in the V. Paul could have shot off like a starling and had a power struggle, but he didn't. He stayed in line. You know why? Because leadership, the best kind of leadership, is earned. Why is it, even to this day, people want to follow Jesus Christ? Because He earned it. He earned it. And how many in our society or our civilization throughout the history of mankind were born into a royal family and they crashed and burned the kingdom (laughs) because they had no leadership. They earned nothing and nobody wanted to follow them. Starlings. Right? But Jesus Christ is worthy to be followed. Amen? Paul comes back, and the very people that sent him and supported him, he says, I'm not turning my back on these guys. They may not fully understand what God has told me of what I'm going to suffer, but I'll do what they want because this plan may in effect help the church itself. I'm going to get in line. Right? Like the geese. I'm going to get in line and I'm going to follow. And, and there's a plan. There has to be a plan. But good leadership is earned. It's not coerced. It's it's not hereditary. It's not placed leadership. It's earned leadership. Next, courage. So when we think about courage, let's look at 27-36 through and, and continue in the story this morning. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia seeing Him in the temple stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! I mean, actually, they were asking for help to go beat someone up. I mean, that's actually what's happening here. In the church! Right? Damien grabs a bunch of guys and says, you know, hey, uh, you know, Mike over here is, is causing, you know, he's just causing a huge disturbance. You know, and he just starts pummeling him. And then he turns over to Fernando and says, help, get over here. I mean, literally, that's that's what is happening here. Help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city. And they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple, which he didn't. Then all the city was stirred up, and the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. And as they were seeking to kill him, word came to the tribune of the cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. This is not good if you're a a tribune of a cohort in Jerusalem. He at once took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the tribune and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul they were going to get a whooping if they didn't. That's not in your scriptures, but I added it. But that is historical. Then the tribune came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Hmm. Now some of you are visiting today, you're like, what's wrong with him? (laughs) You're not even visiting. (laughs) You're thinking the same thing. Uh, this is where we were last week with a prophecy. Do you remember Agabus? Who heard from the Holy Spirit, hey Paul, this is how you're going to die. This is how you're going to be arrested. And he bound his what? Bound his arms together. Here it is. Here it is. You want to know one of the surefire ways you know if the Holy Spirit spoke? It comes true. So Paul is bound... And it says he inquired who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing, some another. And as they could not learn the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. This sounds like New York City. And when he had came to the steps, he was actually carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mob of the people followed, crying out away with him. So, if I was Paul and the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. By the way, you're going to be hearing a reminder of this next week. Paul was aware of this the moment of his conversion. Do you remember that? On the road to Damascus? But the Lord revealed to him that I have a work for you to do, Paul, but just know, you're going to suffer. And here it comes. Here it comes. So you've got to wonder what Paul was thinking in the midst of a crowd that had shut the gates and were pummeling and beating him. And, and even with the tribune and a cohort of soldiers, the crowd was so violent that they had to lift Paul up to escort him into Antonio Fortress and into the barracks in order to calm the city down. That's how badly these people had, had what's called bloodlust. Paul knew that was going to happen. And that brings up our second point about power struggles today. Courage. Courage. You know, Paul submitted to that leadership that he respected. He submitted to the leadership that he respected. Even though he knew it would cost him something, he ultimately had submitted to God's leadership that he truly respected, regardless of what God had revealed to him. He still submitted to it. Now, we know a few people in Scripture that had an issue with that, like, say, Jonah. Right? Paul has the courage that Jonah needed. Paul has the courage that Jonah needed. A couple things I want you to understand about this. Number one, he submits to others. And in submitting to others, that takes courage, doesn't it? Whether it's your boss, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a coach, whether it's a husband, a wife, a family, a parent, Scripture, the Lord, church leadership. That takes courage. Let me go a little bit further. How you take a punch can inspire your message. And you're going to see that at the end of the passage here in just a minute. How you take a punch inspires your message. I remember how they decided to film the Rocky movies, especially Rocky Three. There's was at a huge theater back when they didn't have a lot of those. Down in Westwood, outside UCLA, we saw Rocky III. And he's fighting Drago. And every Rocky script is the same. Rocky has a slur. Can't speak very well. He always calls for Adrian. And Burgess Meredith is over there in the corner struggling to even speak. And Polly has a drinking problem. And on and on it goes. It's a disaster of a family. And what happens? He gets in the ring and he just keeps taking a punch. You know, in any other story, you'd be watching that saying, boy, this guy's a loser. Why'd you name the movie after this guy? But you're watching him take these punches, but you know what's gonna happen, don't you? And so that's why they keep going further, and they keep going further, like, oh my goodness, there's no way he's getting up after that. And he's like, oh, Adrian, right? If that bothers you, that's as close as I get to speaking in tongues, right there, okay? <laughs> Same for Sylvester Stallone. It takes courage to get in that ring. It, Courage demonstrates to people how you take a punch can inspire your message. And you're going to see the very last words, the very last action of what happens in this passage, how that works with Paul. It's phenomenal. Remember where we leave this point. You have a crowd so violent, clawing, scratching, punching at the air that the soldiers have to lift him up out of reach just to keep him alive. Watch what happens. Understand this about courage as the main point. One of the key things about courage being a defining characteristic of power is trust. Courage translates into the word trust very particularly, doesn't it? Jesus had great courage because He trusted the Father your spiritual leaders should be able to demonstrate how to take a punch because they trust their father And we're gonna get to that in just a minute with this next point about wisdom verses 37 through 40 and so let's pick it up so what happens here is is crazy because the crowd is reaching for him the crowd wants to kill him they've been beating him for a while the soldiers are involved now it says all of jerusalem is involved in this thing And they're yelling away with him. You remember the last guy that got treated this way and how it ended for him, right? Jesus. And the crowd once again in Jerusalem is psyched out of their minds for blood. So Paul steps up in a courageous way just like Christ did. Let's look at verse 37 through 40. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian, then, who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the Assyrians out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people and, and, and I went a little too far there so I'll, I'll circle back around but the idea is that Paul decides to t- to talk to the Tribune and say may I say something to you and there's something he does it's very unique what did the Tribune say to him now this is how you have to understand interpretation right because it says do you know Greek so you could look at that and say that the Tribune says well you can only speak to me if you know Greek. The only way I'm going to speak to you is if you, if you know Greek. The only way you can come to church is if you have one of these all-access passlets. Right? You scan it at the door. It starts on the 9th. So make sure you have one of these all-access pass. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what the tribune is saying. The tribune is saying, what? How do you know Greek? Because Paul said what he said in Greek. And yet he's a Jew. And, most of the time, he had been speaking in Aramaic. So, Paul uses wisdom in the midst of a power struggle. Paul uses wisdom. Respect is often earned because of demonstrated wisdom. There's this huge melee. Now, they haven't moved inside the fortress yet, so it's still confusing. It's still dangerous. And in the midst of this, Paul decides to be wise. And he says, to the man in charge, in his own language, knowing that would capture his attention so that he might proclaim his citizenship and some rights to buy him some time to do what he wanted. You talk about wise, right? How many of us are thinking these things while an entire city is trying to kill us? By the way, you had a bad week? The entire city wasn't trying to kill you. So you should be inspired already. Three points. Paul is wise in his strategy of using language. What are you wise in your power struggles? Have you ever been sucked into a power struggle and you get to the end of it and you're like, how did I get sucked into that? And and you may even go in knowing it's going to be a struggle and you have a plan. you say, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not. How did I get to do that again? I told myself I wasn't going to do it. So Paul is wise in his strategy of using language. He's thinking in the midst of his persecution. Brothers and sisters, this is how you avoid a power struggle. The very person that's hauling him off to be taken away, to be locked up, he now forms kind of a partnership with. Because he saw an angle, he saw a way to get the attention of the man in power. So, as opposed to a power struggle, because you've got to know. If you're in charge of anything and somebody that you're oversighting causes you a problem, there's a power struggle, isn't there? Right? Think about it this week. Who at work caused you a problem? Did you take them out to lunch? Did you give them chocolates? Probably not. Did you complain to somebody about them? <laughs> Maybe you did. Or did you try to broker a stronger relationship to keep from having a power struggle. You see, that's what Paul does here through wisdom. Paul is wise in his appeal to the tribune because he knows that the tribune is the man who's calling the shots. He didn't turn to you know, the captain. He didn't turn to a centurion. He didn't turn to you know, Ben Yehuda peddling off hummus and, and, and waffles on the side. He went to the guy who's in charge. How many of us keep deferring to someone else? because we don't have the courage to go where the power source is and so we just keep suffering along we just stay in a power struggle and stay in a power struggle paul is wise in his weapon of choice i mean let's stay with the narrative shall we we're in a power struggle and if you don't think that people find weapons in the midst of a power struggle Have you ever been in that situation where you get in a conversation with your adversary, finally you're trying to seek peace and all of a sudden they bring up something that you're like, ooh, low blow. And not only that, you're like, you've been thinking about that for a while. Right? You know what I mean by weapons. Paul uses a great weapon because it's neutral. It takes it out of the struggle. It appeals to something that has nothing to do with the struggle. It catches the tribune off guard. It brings rationalism into the environment. Wisdom. Wisdom. What is it I want you to grasp about wisdom? Respect is often earned because of demonstrated wisdom. What does Paul do here? He plays the long game. And let's finish up by looking at exactly what that is. Well, I already kind of read ahead of time... He, he declares his citizenship and that gives enough for the tribune to say, OK, he says, I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. Oh, oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. That, that would be like in page page 18 under how to get fired immediately as a tribune. Let your subject who's causing a huge problem rather than locking him up, getting him isolated. No, let him speak in front of all those people. Makes all the sense in the world. Somehow in his wisdom, there was such an appeal to the tribune that what happens is he actually does that. Verse 40, And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. I don't know what motion this was, but for some of you, this would not be an appropriate motion. Right? Some of you have shown this motion with your hand driving down 680. 680 okay i don't think that's the motion paul used i don't know what it was exactly but whatever it was it was effective it was probably something like this right it was probably something like this here's what's amazing you want to talk about a power struggle it says all jerusalem they're there to kill him he turns around And he stands on the steps and all he does is raise his hand and what happens? And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people and when there was a great hush, power struggle? You know, the people had watched Paul take a punch. The people had watched his courage. The people had watched him addressed the tribune when most people wouldn't have. And somehow the tribune had given him the authority, no longer a power struggle, the tribune had given him authority to stand and speak. All of that helped alleviate the power struggle for a moment. And it says what? By the way, it starts in Aramaic, then he switches to Greek, and watch what happens. He addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, and this is the part where we all go, jung, jung, jung. Because you've got to come back next week to find out what he's saying. Or you just get to read ahead on your own. But I promise you, next week, that's where we're going to be. I have some questions in wrapping up. What power has God granted to you? And how are you utilizing leadership, courage, and wisdom? By the way, all of this is in your sermon notes, which is in your bulletin, which I'm sure you've been filling in the blanks. Because we provided those great pens because we didn't want a power struggle of you wanting to fill in the sermon notes and not having a pen so we used wisdom we courageously stuck those pens in there and your leadership is now telling you to pull out those sheets and fill in the blank see how i pulled all that together That was just incredible what power has god granted to you and how are you utilizing leadership courage and wisdom 2 Peter, Peter 1 3 through 8 starts out this way His divine power has granted to us everything in heaven and on earth in order that we might what? In order that, and now I'm going to paraphrase, in order that we might succeed. And then it gives a list of biblical and Christ like characteristics that show us how we can practice faithfulness, godliness, peace love, steadfastness. And at the end of that, it says what? It says, if you practice these qualities in increasing nature, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. You want to get out of a power struggle? Write that Scripture down and memorize it. Next question. Examine your week and ask yourself who won the power struggle. Examine your week and ask who won the power struggle this week. Was it you or was it God? Was it God's will that was in effect and was under power and you followed that leadership with courage, with wisdom? Or did you struggle along fighting against God's will? And you're bouncing all over the place and you're being a starling. Right? By the way, James, James 4.15, write that down. It has to do with the, the Scripture that talks about who will say today or, or tomorrow we will do this or we will do that. Or we'll go to the market. We'll, 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 we'll go to Home Depot. We'll, we'll go to Ikea. Uh, we've got a cousin's wedding we're going to go to. I love how uh, our Egyptians utilize this concept out of James. I, I just simply try to schedule an elder meeting and every single time Hanny says, Lord willing, I'll be there it's a beautiful illustration brother next do you have the courage to present yourself weak like jesus and this passage out of 1 corinthians talks about how he chooses the weak things to humble the powerful remember that rocky movie forget it go straight to the cross go straight to the passion week and look at what christ did that's heroic and that was real christ presented himself weak and satan knew that if he accomplished the cross by the way there was only one way for him to accomplish the cross and that was to present himself weak paul stipulates this in philippians 2 where he says jesus christ being god did not count equality with god something he should hold on to while here in other words the ability just to you know nuclear hit it boom Do you have any idea who I am? Salvation would not have happened if he exercised the nuclear option. But he didn't, praise God, because he made himself weak. And on that day, Satan lost. Amen? When was the last time you experienced God's power in your life? This is a two-parter. When was the last time cuz we're talking about power struggles when was the last time you experienced God's power in your life? Cuz when you start to experience that power, then you start to understand these points of leadership is earned. You start to understand that courage represents trust. You understand how wisdom is is the long game. And these things, these events, these trials like Paul's going through, these things can become not only manageable, you can take a punch and you can be inspirational in taking that punch. You can stand in front of the very people that want to hurt you and just simply raise your hand, right? For all you Marvel fans, you, know, you can just snap your finger. I got the under 20 demographic on that one. <laughs> just trying to keep them awake. When was the last time, so here's the second part to that question. When was the last time you put yourself into position To experience god's power behold i stand at the door and knock and i knock and i knock and i knock and if you don't answer finally i'm just going to break down the door and i'm going to walk in and we're going to do this thing that's what it says right seek first the kingdom of god no that's not how it reads it reads just be lazy just expect everything to be done for you and the kingdom of heaven will be given to you So many people say they're bored in their faith. It's because you're sitting back doing nothing. You say I don't experience the power of God, put yourself in position to do it. Put yourself in position to do it and you'll start experiencing it. That's it. To finish, I have two simple questions for you. Which bird are you following and why? Which bird are you following and why? Are you spiritually fit enough to stay in formation? What? Well, that's the one I'm holding on to. Here's what I think about that one goose. Because, right, the, 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 the bee and the geese, that's the thing that you want to strive towards, right? Following. But you kind of want to be one of those first two, maybe the third, third row. You ever notice the guy sitting back a little bit? You ever watch this, that one of those guys in the back, he just looks like he's struggling a little bit. And I just, every once in a while, I've seen that guy just tail off and then, you know, meh, not like die, but just, you know, meh, I'm taking a break, right? And, uh, and you're thinking, well, you're going to miss it. You got to stay with the guys. But he's like, I'm exhausted, man. I can't, I can't do this. I got to, you know. You know, part of the reason is they've never pursued, so they've never stepped up into the harder parts. So they're not spiritually fit. Instead, this guy sees a... a, a Cheesecake factory and and dive bombs Off and he's like I'm just gonna hang out Out here and let him feed me cheesecake and then I'll Catch up and then he's like I can't Get off the ground anymore I'm talking about geese Still (laughs) Part of the challenge We have brothers and sisters when it comes to Power struggles is we're We're following the wrong birds But the second part is maybe we're Not spiritually fit enough To stay in line Get spiritually fit let me close in prayer and then we're gonna engage with one another father this morning thank you for this insight i thank you for paul his dedication to you and i pray for this body that as we think and contemplate about the actions of what happened and he knew it was going to happen those in troas those in tyre knew it was going to happen those in caesarea knew it was going to happen and he still went. Let us be those people that are not in a power struggle with You, but that we get in line, Father. We fly close to You. And that we are spiritually fit enough that we're ready for whatever comes. So even though we face our adversaries, it really is no struggle. Because it's in Your power that we face our adversaries. Thank You, Father. To You be all glory. Amen.